Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, just over 50 years ago, Americans triumphed in a fashion smackdown that earned them respect and admiration. In 1973, American and French designers went head-to-head in a creative competition. Dubbed the Battle of Versailles, the fashion show was held at the historic Palace of Versailles, the former residence of King Louis XIV. For this Encore episode, we celebrate Black History Month, discussing how the Americans won with cutting-edge, ready-to-wear, and stunning Black models. A half-century later, the legacy of the once-obscure event continues to shape global fashion. Later in the show, late last year, the MacArthur Foundation announced the members of the latest class of Genius Fellows. They join an exclusive group of previous fellows who have demonstrated outstanding talent in their fields. For the hungry, the caged, the disregarded, the holding on, I write for you. I write because I love sentences and I love freedom more. Harvard University professor Imani Perry is one of four local awardees, and she's featured in this encore story from our series, The Genius Next Door. But first, joining me in November of 2023, Robin Givon, senior critic at large for The Washington Post and author of The Battle of Versailles, The Night American Fashion Stumbled into the Spotlight and Made History. Alva Chen, a model from the 1973 Battle of Versailles, and Jay Calderon, founder and executive director of Boston Fashion Week and co-director of Education at the School of Fashion Design in Boston. I'm just so delighted for this conversation. Um, I have to begin by saying I had a completely different idea of what the Battle of Versailles was all about. I knew it was a fashion competition. I knew it was a big deal. But I thought that it was something that um, had been deliberately sort of set up. And it was, in a way. But it was actually created because of the ingenuity of one um, pretty influential publicist, uh, Robin, explain. Yeah, it was really uh, a publicity stunt. It was something that was uh, created by um, Eleanor Lambert, who was a a publicist in New York, and she was friendly with the curator at Versailles. And Versailles was in need of tremendous repairs. And he sort of was asking her if she had any ideas for a fundraiser. And she was someone who really wanted to push American fashion onto the international stage and really put it in the spotlight. So it was her idea to have these five American and five French designers show at the same time. And the idea was that the French designers were extending an invitation to their American counterparts. Now, Jay, you are the executive director and founder of Boston Fashion Week. So, of course, this kind of fashion history is, you know, a part of the DNA of of what uh, you do. How did you first learn about the Battle of Versailles? I actually, once I started teaching um, and uh, was asked to teach a kind of a survey of fashion history, um, that's actually how I first discovered it, um, doing my research, uh, you know, um, to prep for classes about it. And um, it was, I was, I was surprised because I was, 
I was learning about fashion in New York City about like I started about like 10 years after this happened. And it wasn't on the radar then for fashion students. So uh, I was surprised that, you know, it wasn't like kind of uh, widely known, you know, it, uh, by people and uh, just really excited when I discovered it because it really um, adds so much to to the survey that we do for fashion history. So Alva, you were a part of this event and we're going to talk a little bit more about the specifics of what happened that night in Versailles. Um, but just to make the the extra point about lots of folks not knowing about it as as uh, Jay didn't and my misunderstanding of, you know, how big it was, nobody thought it was going to be a big deal when you went. What did you what did you know about it? I mean, what were you thinking it was going to be? Well, I certainly didn't think of it as a competition because I thought of it when someone welcomes you somewhere, it's actually you're planning on doing something for the good of what you're planning on, which was to restore Versailles. So uh, the battle, which uh, Fairchild, actually, John Fairchild put together, was not the case. It was more of a choice to be of assistance in restoring the palace. And we've been doing a pretty good job since then because I went this summer and it looks pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> but going back 50 years ago, um, you were um, just beginning your career. So how did you view going to accept this invitation? Did you think of that it was going to be a pivotal moment or just another interesting show? No, I, d I didn't think it was going to be a pivotal moment in fashion or even in my own career. I just thought, oh, great, I get to go to Paris with a bunch of people who love doing what I like doing, which is between making and showing the clothes to the best of our ability. Most people didn't have a clue. There are those who say they did, but most were just there to be a part of something that was greater than us. All right. So, uh, Jay and Robin, uh, what I have learned is that at the time, American fashion was hmm, just kind of so-so or considered so-so. And in fact, um, it, it wasn't uncommon for Americans to go over and exactly copy French fashion and bring it back and you know, Americanize it in the way they could or, or not and just uh, sell it that way. French designers and France, that was the epitome of fashion. Talk a little bit about more about the differences in what was happening then at that time with American fashion. Well, I think uh, historically during that time, I mean, uh, for as long as you can remember, we always took our cues from the French, in particular Parisian designers. Um, uh, we start, you know, we started to see American designers after World War II become more important, but still not on a on a global level. Um, you know, the 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 French uh, couturiers were, you know, the top of the line, and again, we, like I said, we we got our cues from them. Um, I think uh, the reason for me uh, this this particular event is so uh, important is that it it really became. It took things in a new direction. It opened up uh, a new way of appreciating fashion. Robin, you are pretty cold in your book about how how kind of bad American fashion was at that time. Well, I mean, there were definitely American designers who were making a statement. I mean, people like Claire McCardle, 
Um, American designers had stepped into the breach during World War II, but very much Paris was the center of the fashion industry and what the French designers declared a, to be a trend was really um, what everyone else adhered to. And, you know, I talked to, you know, Oscar de la Renta, for instance, was one of the American designers. And, um, you know, and he talked about the first time that his name appeared on a label and being called up, um, you know, to, I believe it was Saks, where um, his clothes were sold. But they didn't have his name on the label. They said, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue. And he was told for the first time that they had decided they were going to put his name on the label. And, you know, Bill Blass, for a very, for much of his career, had spoke about how he regretted not having apprenticed in Paris and not having that sort of couture experience. So even though they were quite talented in many respects, I think there was also just kind of a psychological sense that they were second tier. Now, one of the other things that I thought extreme, extremely important that you wrote about so well, uh, Robin, in your book, um, your book is The Battle of Versailles, The Night American Fashion Stumbled into the Spotlight and Made History, was to explain to all of us um, what the external forces were that were going on at the time, both in France and in America. So in America, there was a lot of movement around race. Um, this was civil rights movement um, mm-hmm. in its at its height going on. Um, there was a lot of uh, movement in the black arts movement in France. There was much uh, upset about wages and protest around that. And that was important because we were talking about haute couture, and that was extremely expensive. This very, very uh, specialized, hand-designed fashions that were the French were known for, not what Americans were doing. So both of these things happening at the same time provided a kind of broth uh, for this particular battle to take place. Yeah, I mean, I always say that fashion doesn't happen in a vacuum. It responds to the changes in the culture um, at the time. And in Paris, there were um, um, protests that were really related to kind of a youth movement and uh, a moving away of young, a younger generation from the kind of clothing and the kind of sort of paternalism um, that had preceded them. Um, and then in the U.S., um, after the riots of the late 60s, there was the famous Kerner Report that was kind of an assessment of how did all of this happen. And one of the found findings in that report uh, suggested that it was important that African-Americans be presented in sort of everyday circumstances, be included in advertising and entertainment and in media. And those were the things that were kind of flowing through the culture in the years that just preceded the 73 show. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me for this encore edition are Robin Gavon, senior critic at large for The Washington Post, Alva Chen, a model from the 1973 Battle of Versailles, and Jay Calderon, founder and executive director of Boston Fashion Week. We spoke with them in November of last year to discuss the legacy of the 1973 fashion show, The Battle of Versailles. 
All right, let's get to the night, the Battle of Versailles. So back to you, Alva Chen. So here you are at the beginning of your career. You're going over for uh, at the invite of the French for this uh, fashion show. Did you know going over that there would be a lot, relatively speaking, of course, of other black models going? Well, yes, I knew they were going, of course. But it wasn't it wasn't just about uh, black models. It was about being of the day. Music wise, it was what the French called canned music, but it was the music of the day, you know, creative force, love unlimited. That's popular black music, but that's not what it was about only. I mean, it was about everyone bringing their A game to it. And everyone, every single model of color had a different opinion and others, because I've actually had conversations with them and um, also lovely emails. And most of us really were just there to experience being there. Very few of us had already been there. Norma Jean Darden had just been there working with Carl Lagerfeld. I mean, it's just, we were part of something that we knew was bigger than us. And that to me, that commitment was was from everyone because it wasn't paid well. I mean, it wasn't even the the price of two days of editorial. <laughs> so, no, so you no. you were just going to, for the moment, not for the money. <laughs> no, no, I, no one was going for the money. <laughs> no one. <laughs> um, so, um, Alva, I want to mention also to my listeners that uh, you went to UF, UMass Boston, so you're very familiar with with our region here. Um, I'm actually from Boston. And you're from Boston, I was about to say. So um, here's the here's setup um, that happened that night. There was a lot of uh, rehearsing, practicing thoughts uh, about what was going to happen when you got to France, meaning you, meaning the models and the designers. Mm-hmm. And let me be clear about who the designers were. Bill Blass, Anne Klein, uh, Oscar de la Renta, Halston, Stephen Burroughs, um, did I mention everybody? I think I got everybody. Um, and so these were the young up-and-coming designers uh, with a lot of energy here in America with a real uh, ability to have sophisticated ready-to-wear. That was opposite of what fr- the French people were doing. So there was all this planning on this side to bring props, to do all the stuff that normally would happen in a fast show, fashion show, Alva, but that got blown up. The problem really was not us bringing props as much as our one prop was lovely Joe Eula's drawing uh, for our Bonjour Paris and for it to be our backdrop. But it was drawn in the wrong measurements because France is meters and he did it in inches. And so it looked like a postage stamp. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you're going in uh, with uh, it didn't look good for the Americans, let's just say, you know, going in. The, Fr- the French were feeling pretty confident that they, they had this, you know, on lock. Uh, right, Robin? Yeah, I mean, the French really had, I mean, they had props. They had these things that they referred to as floats. They were sort of these massive sets. Um, there were cars and there were spaceships. And I mean, I don't know that we've mentioned the, all of the French designers, but Pierre Cardin was one of them, and he had this spaceship set. 
I mean, it was really a kind of everything but the kitchen sink kind of experience. And it was quite long. Uh, I mean, the French portion of the show um, was well over half of the show. Yes. I, as I understand, the show started at nine and it wasn't until almost midnight before the Americans have actually were able to take the stage. My God. And there was an intermission. <laughs> Good grief. That was a lot going on during that time. Here are two models describing the audience the night of the battle. You know, you just saw those women with their hair and their chignons and their beehives and the pearls and the feathers coming out, you know. You saw all the royalty, Princess Grace and the Rothschilds. You saw everyone there. And this is from another clip from uh, the trailer of Versailles 73 American Runway Revolution. This is about uh, those sets that we talked about with the French. The French uh, had very elaborate sets. Um, They had very complicated routines. It was electrifying. For all the stiffness of the French thing, the Americans got out there and slammed them with this, just this raw energy. Now, the raw energy is what we want to talk about here, um, Alva. Uh, Stephen Burroughs is uh, one of the um, well, well-known now African-American designers. He was young, 30 at the time when he was a part of this uh, Battle of Versailles. And he was uh, not of the, you know, the couture movement, if you will. Um, that wasn't his background. He used a lot of energy from the street, quote-unquote, and his own sensibilities, very colorful. And he just rocked the stage, as uh, has been described by many, that night. And just to give people a sense of the difference between what the French were doing with an orchestra and traditional music, this is a clip of one of the songs that Stephen Burroughs used for the models to walk to. He used Creative Source, Who Is He and What Is He to You? Stephen's clothes, you really couldn't wear much of anything underneath, if anything underneath. So pantyhose wouldn't work so well with his because it's all silk jersey. And that clings to the body. And the blessing of most of the gals in his segment, besides many of them being African-American or African diaspora, those gals had great bodies. I was probably the skinniest of them all. Um, So my body wasn't so great, but I had great shoulders. And um, that's a big part of holding something on your body. (laughs) Anyway, um, we we did this lovely uh, walkabout, is the way I look at it. We did a little zigzagging on our own, coming and showing, because it's on a stage and not on a, a runway. So you have to use it, the whole stage, so that you actually get the full impact. And then we would walk to the back and we formed a line. And then lovely Cleveland, Pat Cleveland, is the end of Stephen's segment. And she comes and does her thing with the longest train because that was his thing, was longer and longer train. And then we all, en masse, come forward in a V section, I'm told. I don't remember that part but uh, come forward and we all pose at the front of the, the um, lovely stage and we're all posing differently. So um, that became 
named as voguing years later uh, when Madonna came in, but we were voguing before there was voguing. And then that was it. That was the difference between his segment was this energy, this force that was coming that was really about body consciousness more so than just, you know, wearing clothes and moving in ways that have to do with rhythm as opposed to the former stiff way of walking with your hips sort of stuck forward and not really showing that you were a woman who liked being a woman. <laughs> and Jay, that's what you were referring to, that no longer um, there could never be a fashion show now that didn't have some of this innovation, what was then innovative at the time, um, as a part of it. Definitely. I mean, that, that energy is uh, in some ways kind of what feeds everything, you know, is that, that that sense of, you know, fashion shows can be uh, very expensive and very, very hard to produce. And, uh, but they're, they're worth it in terms of that, that energy that the audience gets, but also for everyone involved, you know, designers work for these long periods of time developing collections and they get, you know, these few minutes, even, you know, even though the shows were a little longer back then, you know, it's that, it's that payoff of mm -hmm. that vibrant energy and uh, getting to hear the music you want to hear and uh, all of it coming together, that real theater of fashion. It's something that model Pat Cleveland talked about um, during the show. Here she is. It was quite something not to fall off that stage with that bright light <laughs> in my eyes. I mean, I couldn't even see the audience and I was spinning till I got to the edge of the stage like a moth and I almost fell off and people went, oh, like <laughs> they were catching their breath. I think that the theatrics of it all is just really exciting to me. And one last um, some one last moment to hear from Stephen Burrows when he talked about what you all have expressed that at the time, even though this all this excitement was happening and it was, you know, this, the Americans won this and, you know, the French were throwing their programs in the air and everybody was just thrilled with what happened um, with the American show. At the time, it was not considered pivotal. So here he is. At the time, it was not like this big thing. It was hardly noticed in the American press at all. Um, and of course, the French were embarrassed, so they didn't talk about it too much. Um, but it was a great moment for all the Americans. So the legacy of Versailles, the Battle of Versailles, um, still resonates through the fashion industry. Jay has talked about it a bit. Um, Robin, what do you think is the biggest legacy uh, from that moment? Well, I think the designers who, the American designers who were actually there, um, I mean, were certainly gratified with the way that things had gone. But I don't really think that they were necessarily the greatest beneficiaries of their own success. I think it was really the generation that followed them that really reaped um, the greatest benefit, both um, from a financial standpoint, Definitely. being able to take their collections to Europe and connect with that audience. And I think also psychologically, that generation was really freed from this sense that couture was everything, the French knew everything, and that French style was the only style. I mean, it really, I think, allowed uh, American sportswear to really flourish as a kind of international visual language. Hmm. Jay, what do you say? 
Well, I, I definitely can see that, you know, first students are often surprised, you know, when they when they learn about it and it can be very empowering. But they I think they all uh, kind of take for granted that these doors are open for them. So I think, you know, over time, I think it's very true. You know, every every generation kind of builds on the last one. And I, and, I, and, and this show opened the door for a lot of things, like I said, that we that we just assume are part of the the natural sort of cycle of fashion and and the energy of fashion. So uh, I think for for every generation coming up, that's why it's so important to have something like this and celebrate it, you know, the historical uh, you know, uh, the 50 year anniversary and uh, and its importance, because I, I think it becomes this this anchor that they can build on. You know, it's this historical uh, precedent that's set by something like this. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. And here with me for this encore segment are Robin Givon, senior critic at large for The Washington Post, Alva Chen, a model from the 1973 Battle of Versailles, and Jay Calderon, founder and executive director of Boston Fashion Week. We talked with them in November of last year about the impact of the 1973 fashion show, The Battle of Versailles. So, Alva, one would have thought, um, whether or not it was a pivotal moment in the moment, that because of the uh, great attention brought to the skills and the walking of the black models, that the doors would have been um, kicked wide open. That that wasn't necessarily the case for all of you afterwards. Well, also, I just want to say most of the girls didn't go back to Europe. And because they didn't go back... the doors didn't open, open. But I went back and I went back until I was working there. So the first couple of times I was there, I was not really working that much because that was a new uh, modus operandi. But the people, the designers that were there, all of those, actually four of them, I didn't want to work for Pierre Cardin at that time because I thought he was old fashioned with the spaceship and like that. <laughs> that threw me off a lot. But um, I'm, I must say, I worked for all the others consistently over the years. And I think the most important part was exactly the fact that ready to wear, which is what people can afford, most people can't afford couture, that became the leading part of fashion. It makes sense. Other people can buy, most people can buy something. Why is it important um, that we? Uh, look at this event, not just in a fashion context, Robin. Um, What you do so well, of course, is to look at both the fashion and the cultural impact. So beyond, you've already mentioned that the people who came after uh, reaped the benefits. What say you about the Black models and even larger cultural impact? With the models, and I think it's you know it's a reminder that um, progress doesn't happen in a door in a straight line. I mean, I you know right afterwards there was this incredible enthusiasm for black models. I remember Givenchy um, was so excited about the prospect of having all black models, and he tried that, and it did not go over well with some of his clients who didn't want to purchase clothing that was being shown on black models. Um, But certainly things did change. And, you know, now we are at a place where there is more diversity uh, on the runway. So I think that's one one element of it. 
Um, but I also think that it's a reminder that, um, you know, fashion is part of this larger conversation that we have about identity, about beauty, about value, about gender, about all of the things that essentially make us human and um, the ways in which fashion changes, um, I think is also a reflection of the way that we think about each other and ourselves. Alva, what do you think about when you reflect on the fact that it's been 50 years since this happened? For me, I keep thinking, you know, it's amazing that something that happened 50 years ago that most of us thought was really just another job uh, and a chance to have a job in a jet set way of going to uh, Paris for four or five days was great. But in the long run, it's actually shifted focus, not just retail wise, but it allowed people who actually today now look so differently from models from my time as models. That's the beginning of that even, you know, you don't have to look like anybody else. Robin, you have the last word. One of the things that um, I have often been asked is if there were going to be a battle of Versailles today, um, who might um, the American designers be, who might the French designers be? And in some ways, I'm really happy that uh, I can say that I don't think that such a thing would really be possible because I don't think that um, you can really sort of say who's an, an American, solely an American designer, who's solely a French designer, because so many Americans have gone to run French brands and so many international designers come to New York to present their collections. And so the industry is so much more global. And I think a lot of those barriers have become, if not broken down, are a lot more porous. And I think that's great for both the industry and for the consumer. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. I'm just thrilled. Robin, I love your book. It's got so dishy, so many little <laughs> details in the background. I highly recommend it. Thank you so, so I thank, much. <laughs> I thank you all for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Robin, give on. Uh, go ahead. I just wanted to say none of this would have uh, come up again for us if we gals who were there if it hadn't been for um, Deborah Riley Draper's Versailles 73, because, mm. because someone stated that they felt Black women were the ugliest women on the planet. And that's how that came about. And I, I can hardly think that anyone would think just someone's color would make them ugly. Well, I should note that uh, Deborah Riley Draper is a fantastic documentarian, so I would recommend her film as well. Thank you. Robin Givon is a senior critic at large for The Washington Post and author of The Battle of Versailles, The Night American Fashion Stumbled into the Spotlight and Made History. Alva Chen is an actress and a model from the 1973 Battle of Versailles. And Jay Calderon is a founder and executive director of Boston Fashion Week and co-director of education at the School of Fashion Design in Boston. Coming up, every year, leaders and innovators in various fields of study are recognized for their work by the MacArthur Foundation. 
Last year, there were 20 in the class of Genius Grant recipients. Harvard University professor Imani Perry is an interdisciplinary scholar and writer who has written numerous books and articles about history and the cultural expressions forged by Black Americans in the face of injustice. She's one of four local awardees, and she's featured in this encore edition of our series, The Genius Next Door. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.